image of Sinbad the seaman. Know, O my brothers, that when I had been a while on shore after my fourth voyage, and when, in my comfort and pleasures and merry-makings, and in my rejoicing over my large gains and profits, I had forgotten all I had endured of perils and sufferings, the carnal man was again seized with a longing to travel and to see foreign countries and islands. Accordingly, I bought costly merchandise suited to my purpose, and, making it up into bales, repaired to Basora, where I walked about the river Quay till I found a fine, tall ship, newly builded with gear unused and fitted ready for sea. She pleased me, so I bought her and, embarking my goods in her, hired a master and crew, over whom I set certain of my slaves and servants as inspectors. A number of merchants also brought their outfits and paid me freight and passage money. Then, after reciting the Fatiha, we set sail over Allah's pool in all joy and cheer, promising ourselves a prosperous voyage and much profit. We sailed from city to city, and from island to island, and from sea to sea, viewing the cities and countries by which we passed, and selling and buying in not a few, till one day we came to a great uninhabited island, deserted and desolate, whereon was a white dome of biggest bulk, half buried in the sands. The merchants landed to examine this dome, leaving me in the ship, and when they drew near, behold, it was a huge rook's egg. They fell a-beating it with stones, knowing not what it was, and presently broke it open, whereupon much water ran out of it and the young rook appeared within. So they threw it forth of the shell and cut its throat and took of it great store of meat. Now I was in the ship and knew not what they did, but presently one of the passengers came up to me and said, Oh my lord, come and look at the egg we thought to be a dome. So I looked, and seeing the merchants beating the stones, called out to them, Stop, stop, do not meddle with that egg, or the bird rook will come out and break our ship and destroy us. But they paid no heed to me, gave not only smiting upon the egg. But behold, the day grew dark and dawn, the sun was hidden from us, as if some great cloud had passed over the So we raised our eyes and saw that what we took for a cloud was the rook, poised between us and the sun, and it was his wings that darkened the day. When he came and saw his egg broken, he cried a loud cry, but upon his mate came flying up, and they both began circling about the ship, crying out at us with voices louder than thunder. I told you that I said through, put out to sea and seek safety in flight before we all be destroyed. So the merchants came on board, and we cast off and made haste from the island to gain the open sea. When the rooks saw this, they flew off and we crowded all sail on the ship, thinking to get out of their country. But presently the two reappeared flew after us and stood over us, each carrying in its claws a huge boulder which it had brought from the mountains. As soon as the hero came up with us, he let fall upon us the rock he had with his pounces. But the master put about the ship so that the rock missed her in some small manner and plunged into the waves with such violence that the ship pitched high and sailed to the shroud of the sea and the bottom of the ocean came to us. Then the Shiruk let fall her rock, which was bigger than that of her mate, and as destiny had decreed, it fell on the poop of the ship and crushed the rudder flying to the pieces, whereupon the vessel foundered and all and everything on board cast. As for me, I struggled for a sweet life, till Almighty Allah threw in my way one of the planks of the ship, to which I clung and, bestriding it, fell a 
paddling with my feet. Now the ship had gone down hard by an island in the midst of the main, and the winds and waves bore me on till, by permissions of the Most High, they cast me up on the shore of the island, at the last gasp for toil and distress, and half dead with hunger and thirst. So I landed more like a corpse than a live man, and throwing myself down on the beach, lay there a while, till I began to revive and recover spirits. When I walked about the island and found it as it were one of the garths and gardens of paradise, its trees in abundance died, were ripe yellow fruit with the fruit of the its streams ran clear and bright, its flowers were fair scented to sight, and its birds warbled to the light of the praises of him to whom belong the night and all night. So I ate my fill of the fruits, and shake my thirst with the water of the streams, till I could no more, and I returned thanks to the Most High, and glorified him. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and fifty-seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued. So when I escaped the drowning and reached the island which afforded me fruit to eat and water to drink, I returned thanks to the Most High and glorified him, after which I sat till nightfall, hearing no voice and seeing none inhabited. Then I lay down, well nigh dead, for its prevail in trouble and terror, and slept without surcease till morning, when I arose and walked about under the trees till I came to the channel of the draw well fed by a spring of running water, by which well sat an old man of venerable aspect, girt about with a waistcloth made of the fiber of palm fronds. Quoth I to myself, Happily the shape is one of those who will make the machine and his way to the island. So I drew near to him and saluted him, and he returned my salam by signs, but spoke not. And I said to him, O nuncle mine, what causeth thee to sit here? He shook his head and moaned and signed to me with his hands, as who should say, Take me on thy shoulders, and carry me to the other side of the well chat. And quoth I in my mind, I will deal kindly with him and do what he desired. It may be I shall win me a reward in heaven, for he may be a paralytic. So I took him on my back, and carrying him to the place where he pointed, said to him, Dismount at thy leisure. But he would not get off my back, and wound his legs about my neck. I looked at them, and seeing that they were like a buffalo's hide for blackness and roughness, were affrighted and would have cast him off. But he clung to me and gripped my neck with his legs, till I was well nigh choked. The world grew black in my sight, and I fell senseless to the ground like one dead. But he still kept his seat, and raising his legs, drummed with his heels and beat harder than palm rods my back and shoulders, till he forced me to rise from excess of pain. Then he signed to me with his hand to carry him hither and thither among the trees which bore the best fruits. And if I ever refused to do his bidding, or loitered, or took my leisure, he beat me with his feet more grievously than if I had been beaten with whips. He ceased not to signal with his hand wherever he was minded to go. So I carried him about the island like a captive slave, and he bepissed and could skid in my shoulders and back, dismounting not night nor day. And when as he wished to sleep, he bound his legs about my neck and leaned back and slept a while, then arose and beat me. Whereupon I sprang up his face, unable to gainsay him because of the pain inflicted on me. And indeed I blamed myself and sore repented me of having taken compassion on him and continued in this condition, suffering fatigue not to be described. Till I said to myself, I wrought him a wheel, and he requited me with my ear. By Allah, never more will I do any man's service so long as I live. And again and again I besought the Most High that I might die, for stress of weariness and misery. And thus I rode a long while, till, one day, I came with him to a place where there was abundance of gourds, many of them dry. So I took a great dry gourd, and cutting open the head, scooped out the inside of the after which I gathered the grapes from the vine, which grew hard by, and squeezed them into the gourd, till it was full of juice. Then I stopped up the mouth and set it in the sun, where I left it for some days, until it 
Every day I used to drink of it, to comfort and sustain me under my fatigue that flowered and obstinate feeling. As often as I drank myself drunk, I forgot my troubles and took new heart. One day he saw me drinking and signed to me this hand, as who should say, What is that? Quoth I, It is an excellent cordial, which cheereth the heart and reviveth the spirits. Then, being heated with wine, I ran and danced with him among the trees, clapping my hands and singing and making merry, and I staggered under him by design. When he saw this, he signed to me to give him the gold that he might drink, and I feared him and gave it him. So he took it and, draining it to the dregs, cast it on the ground, whereupon he grew frolicsome and began to clap hands and jig to and fro on my shoulders, and he made water upon me so cautiously that all my dress was drenched. But presently the fumes of the wine rising to his head, he became helplessly drunk, and his side muscles and limbs relaxed, and he swayed to and fro on my back. When I saw that he had lost his senses for drunkenness, I put my hand to his legs, and, loosing them from my neck, stooped down well nigh to the ground, and threw him at full length. When Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say, when it was the five hundred and fifty-eighth night, she said, it hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued. So I threw the devil off my shoulders, hardly crediting my deliverance from him and fearing lest he should shake off his drunkenness and do me a mischief. Then I took up a great stone from among the trees, and coming up to him, smote him therewith on the head with all my might, and crushed in his skull as he lay dead drunk. Thereupon his flesh and fat and blood being in a pulp, he died and went to his deserts. The fire, no mercy of Allah be upon him. I then returned with a heart at ease to my former station on the seashore and abode in that island many days, eating of its fruits and drinking of its waters and keeping a lookout for passing ships. Till one day, as I sat on the beach, recalling all that had befallen me and saying, I wonder if Allah will save me alive and restore me to my home and family and friends. Behold, a ship was making for the island through the dashing sea and clashing waves. Presently it cast anchor and the passengers landed. So I made for them, and when they saw me, all hastened up to me and gathered around me, questioned me of my case and how I came thither. I told them all that had betided me, whereat they marveled with exceeding marvel and said, He who rode on thy shoulder is called the Shaykh Al-Bar, or old man of the sea, and none ever felt his legs or neck and came off alive but thou. And those who die under him he eateth. So praised be Allah for thy safety. Then they set somewhat of food before me, whereof I ate my fill, and gave me somewhat of clothes, wherewith I clad myself anew, and covered my nakedness. After which they took me up into the ship, and we sailed days and nights, till fate brought us to a place called the City of Apes, builded with lofty houses, all of which gave upon the sea, and had a single gate studded and strengthened with iron nails. Now every night, as soon as it is dusk, the dwellers in this city used to come forth at the gates and, putting out to sea in boats and ships, pass the night upon the waters in their fear lest the ape should come down from the mountains. Hearing this, I was sore troubled, remembering what I had before suffered from the ape kind. Presently I landed to solace myself in the city, but meanwhile the ship set sail without me and I repented of having gone ashore, and calling to mind my companions and what had befallen me with the apes, first and after, sat down and fell a-weeping and lamenting. Presently one of the townsfolk accosted me and said to me, O oh my lord, meseemeth thou art a stranger in these parts? Yes, answered I, I am indeed a stranger and a poor one, who came hither in a ship which cast anchor here, 
and I landed to visit the town. But when I would have gone on board again, I found they had sailed without me. Quoth he, Come and embark with us, for if thou lie the night in the city, the apes will destroy thee. Hearkening in obedience, replied I, and rising straightway embarked with him in one of the boats, whereupon they pushed off from shore and anchoring a mile or so from the land, there passed the night. At daybreak they rode back to the city and landing went each about his business. Thus they did every night, for if any tarried in the town by night the apes came down and slew him. As soon as it was day, the apes left the place and ate of the fruits of the gardens, then went back to the mountain and slept there till nightfall, and they came again down upon the city. Now this place was in the farthest part of the country of the blacks, and one of the strangest things that befell me during my sojourn in the city was on this wise. One of the company with whom I passed the night in the asked me, Oh my lord, thou art apparently a stranger in these parts. Hast there any craft whereat thou canst work? Oh, and I answered, By Allah, oh my brother, I have no trade nor I know any handicraft. For I was a merchant and a man of money and substance and had a ship of my own, laden with great store of goods and merchandise. But it foundered at sea, and all were drowned except in me, who saved myself on a piece of bank which Allah vouchsafed to me of his favor. Upon this he brought me a cotton bag and giving it to me, said, Take this bag and fill it with papers from the beach and go forth with a company of townsfolk to whom I will give a charge respecting thee. Do as they do and belike thou shalt gain what may further thy return voyage to thy native land. Then he carried me to the beach where I filled my bag with pebbles large and small and presently we saw a company of folk issue from the town each bearing a bag like mine filled with pebbles. To these he committed me commending me to their care and saying this man is a stranger, so take him with you, and teach him how to gather, that he may get his daily bread, and you will earn your reward and recompense in heaven. On our head and eyes be it, answered they, and bidding me welcome, fared on with me till we came to a spacious wady full of lofty trees with trunks so smooth that none might climb them. Now sleeping under these trees were many apes, which when they saw us rose and fled from us and swarmed up among the branches. Whereupon my companions began to pelt them with what they had in their bags, and the apes fell to plucking up the fruits of the trees and casting them at the folk. I looked at the fruit of the tree and coconuts, so I chose out a great tree full of apes, and going up to it began to pelt them with stones, and they in return pelted me with nuts, which I collected, as did the rest so that even before I made an end of my bag full of pebbles, I had gotten great plenty of nuts, and as soon as my companions had in like manner gotten as many nuts as they could carry, we returned to the city, where we arrived at the fag end of the day. Then I went in to the kindly man who had brought me in company with the nut gatherers, and gave him all I had gotten, thanking him for his kindness. But he would not accept them, saying, Sell them, and make profit by the price. And presently he added, giving me the key of a closet in his house, Store thy nuts in this safe place, and go thou forth every morning, and gather them as thou hast done today, and choose out the worst for sale, and supplying thyself. But lay up the rest here, so happily thou mayest, collect enough to serve thee for thy return home. Allah requite thee, answered I, and did as he advised me, going out daily with the coconut gatherers, who commended me to one another and showed me the best stock trees. Thus did I for some time, 
till I had laid up great store of excellent nuts, besides a large sum of money the price of those I had sold. I became thus at my ease, and bought all I saw and had a mind to, and passed my time pleasantly, greatly enjoying my stay in the city, till, as I stood on the beach one day, a great ship steering through the heart of the sea presently cast anchor by the shore, and landed a company of merchants, who proceeded to sell and buy and barter their goods for coconuts and other commodities. Then I went to my friends and told him of the coming of the ship, and how I had a mind to return to my own country. And he said, "'Tis for thee to decide." So I thanked him for his bounties and took leave of him. Then, going to the captain of the ship, I agreed with him for my passage and embarked my coconuts and what else I possessed. We weighed anchor. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and fifty-ninth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued. So I left the city of the apes and embarked my coconuts and what else I possessed. We weighed anchor the same day and sailed from island to island and sea to sea, and whenever we stopped, I sold and traded with my coconuts, and the Lord requited with me. Amongst other places we came to an island abounding in cloves and cinnamon and pepper, and the country people told me that by the side of each pepper bunch groweth a great leaf which shadeth it from the sun and casteth the water off it in the wet season. But when the rain ceaseth, the leaf turneth over and droopeth down by the side of the bunch. Here I took in great store of pepper and cloves and cinnamon, in exchange for coconuts, and we passed thence to the island of Al-Usirat, whence cometh the Kamur and Alo's wood, and thence to another island, five days' journey in length, where grows the Chinese Lingalos, which is better than the Kamurin. But the people of this island are fouler of condition and religion than those of the other, for that they love fornication and wine no not prayer, no call to prayer. Thence we came to the pearl fisheries, and I gave the divers some of my coconuts, and said to them, Dive for thy luck and thy lot. They did so, and brought up from the deep blind great store of large and priceless pearls, and they said to me, By Allah, O my master, thy luck is lucky. Then we sailed on, the blessing of Allah, whose name be exalted, and ceased not sailing till we arrived safely at the Sora. There I abode a little, and then went on to Baghdad, where I entered my quarter and found my house and foregathered with my family and saluted my friends who gave me joy of my safe return, and I laid up all my goods and valuables in my storehouses. Then I distributed alms and largest clothes to the widow and the orphan and made presents to my relations and comrades, for the Lord had requited me fourfold that I had lost, after which I returned to my old merry way of life and forgot all I had suffered in the great profit and gain I had made. Such then is the history of my fifth voyage and its wonderments. And now to supper, and tomorrow come again and I will tell you what befell me in my sixth voyage, for it was still more wonderful than this. Saith he who telleth the tale. Then he called for food, and the servants spread the table. And when they had eaten the evening meal, he bade give Sinbad the porter an hundred golden dinars. And the landsman returned home and lay him down to sleep much marveling at all he had heard. Next morning, as soon as it was light, he prayed the dawn prayer, and after blessing Muhammad, the cream of all creatures, betook himself to the house of Sinbad the seaman and wished him a good day. The merchant bade him sit and talk with him, till the rest of the company arrived. Then the servants spread the table, and when they had well eaten and drunken and were mirthful and merry, Sinbad the seaman began in these words the narrative of... The Sixth Voyage of Sinbad the Seaman. The Sixth Voyage of Sinbad the Seaman. Know, O my brothers and friends and companions all, 
that I abode some time after my return from my fifth voyage, in great solace and satisfaction, and mirth and merriment, joyance and enjoyment. And I forgot what I had suffered, seeing the great gain and profit I had made, till, one day, as I sat making merry and enjoying myself with my friends, there came into me a company of merchants whose taste told tales of travel, and talked with me of voyage and adventures and greatness of health and lucre. Hereupon I remembered the days of my return from abroad, and my joy at once more seeing my native land and foregathering with my family and friends, and my soul yearned for travel and traffic. So, compelled by fate and fortune, I resolved to undertake another voyage, and buying a fine and costly merchandise, meet for forage bay, made it up into bales, with which I journeyed from Baghdad to Besora. Here I found a great ship ready for sea and full of merchants and notables, who had with them goods of price. So I embarked my bales there, and we left Basora in safety and good spirits under the safeguard of the king, the preserver. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and see saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and sixtieth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued. And after embarking my bales and leaving Basora in safety and good spirits, we continued our voyage from place to place and from city to city, buying and selling and profiting and diverting ourselves with the sights of countries where strange folk dwell. And fortune and the voyage smiled upon us, till one day, as we went along, behold, the captain suddenly cried with a great cry and cast his turban on the deck. Then he buffeted his face like a woman and plucked out his beard and fell down in the waist of the ship while nigh fainting with stress of grief and rage and crying. Oh, and the last was the ruin of my house and the orphanship of my poor children. So all the merchant and sailors came round about him and asked him, Oh, master, what is the matter? For the light had become night before their sight. And he answered, saying, Know, O folk, that we have wandered from our course and led to the sea whose ways we want and come into a sea whose ways I know not. And unless Allah vouchsafe us and means of escape, we're all dead men. Wherefore pray you to the Most High that he deliver us from this strait. Happily amongst you is one righteous whose prayers the Lord will accept. Then he arose and clomb the mast to see and there were any escape from that strait. And he would have loosed the sails, but the wind redoubled upon the ship and whirled her round thrice and drave her backwards. Whereupon her rudder break, and she fell off towards a high mountain. With this, the captain came down from the mast, saying, There is no majesty, and there is no might, save in Allah the glorious, the great. Nor can man prevent that which is foreordained of fate. By Allah, we are fallen on a place of sure destruction, and there is no way of escape for us, nor can any of us be saved. Then we all fell a-weeping over ourselves, and bidding one another farewell, for that our days would come to an end, and we had lost all hopes of life. Presently the ship crossed the mountain and broke up, and all and everything on board plunged into the sea. Some of the merchants were drowned, and others made shift to reach the shore and save themselves upon the mountain. I amongst the number, and when we got ashore we found a great island, or rather peninsula whose base was strewn with wreckage of crafts and goods and gear, cast up by the sea from broken ships whose passengers had been drowned, and the quantity confounded Compton calculation. So I climbed the cliffs into the inward of the island and walked on inland, till I came to a stream of sweet water, 
that welled up at the nearest foot of the mountains and disappeared in the earth under the range of hills on the opposite side. But all the other passengers went over the mountains to the inner tracts, and, dispersing hither and thither, were confounded at what they saw and became like madmen at the sight of the wealth and treasures wherewith the shores were strewn. As for me, I looked into the bed of the stream aforesaid, and saw therein great plenty of rubies, and great royal pearls, and all kinds of jewels, and precious stones, which were as gravel in the bed of the rivulets that ran through the fields. And the sands sparkled and glittered with gems and precious ores. Moreover, we found in the island abundance of the finest linaloes, both Chinese and Gomorrah, and there also is a spring of crude ambergris which floweth like wax or gum over the stream banks, for the great heat of the sun, and runneth down to the seashore, where the monsters of the deep come up and swallow it, and return into the sea. But it burned in their bellies, so they cast it up again, and it congealed on the surface of the water, whereby its color and quantities are changed, and at last the waves cast it ashore, and the travelers and merchants who know it collect it and sell it. But as to the raw amber grease which was not swallowed, it floweth over the channel, and it congealeth on the banks, and when the sun shineth on it, it melteth and scenteth the whole valley with a musk-like fragrance. Then, when the sun ceaseth from it, it congealeth again. But none can get to this place where it is the crude amber grease, because of the mountains which enclose the island on all sides, and which foot of man cannot ascend. We continued thus to explore the island marveling at the wonderful works of Allah and the riches we found there, but sore troubled for our own case and dismayed at our prospects. Now we had picked up on the beach some small matter of victual from the wreck and husbanded it carefully, eating but once every day or two, in our fear lest it should fail us and we die miserably of famine or off-right. Moreover, we were weak for colic brought on by seasickness and low diet, and my companions deceased one after another, so there was but a small company of us left. Each that died we washed and shrouded in some of the clothes and linen cast ashore by the tides, and after a little the rest of my fellows perished one by one, until I had buried the last of the party, and abode alone on the island. With but a little provision left, I was who won't have so much, and I wept over myself, saying, Would heaven I had died before my companions, and they had washed and buried me. It had been better than I should perish, and none wash me, and shroud me, and bury me. But there is majesty, and there is no might save in Allah, the glorious, the great. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and sixty-first night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued in these words. Now after I had buried the last of my party and abode alone on the island, I arose and dug me a deep grave on the seashore, saying to myself, When as I grow weak and know that death cometh to me, I will cast myself into the grave and die there, so the wind may drift the sand over me and cover me and I be buried therein. Then I fell to reproaching myself for my little wit in leaving my native land and betaking me again to travel, after all I had suffered during my first five voyages, and when I had not made a single one without suffering more horrible perils and more terrible hardships than in its forerunner, and having no hope of escape from my present stress, and I repented me of my folly and bemoaned myself, especially as I had no need of money, seeing that I had enough and more than enough, and could not spend what I had, no, nor a half of it in all my life. However, after a while Allah sent me a thought, and I said to myself, my God, needs must this stream have an end as well as a beginning, 
Ergo an issue somewhere, and belike its course may lead to some inhabited place. So my best plan is to make me a little boat big enough to sit in, and carry it and launch it on the river, embark therein and drop down the stream. If I escape, I escape, by God's leave, and if I perish, better die in the river than here. Then, sighing for myself, I set to work collecting a number of pieces of Chinese and Comoran aloes wood, and I bound them together with ropes from the wreckage. Then I chose out from the broken-up ship straight planks of even size and fixed them firmly upon the aloes wood, making me a boat raft a little narrower than the channel of the stream. And I tied it tightly and firmly as though it were nailed. Then I loaded it with the goods, precious ores and jewels, and the union pearls which were like gravel and the best of the ambergris crude and pure, together with what I had collected on the island and what was left me of victual and wild herbs. Lastly, I lashed on a piece of wood on either side to serve me as oars and launched it, and embarking did according to the saying of the poet. Fly, fly, with life, Vanas, evil strength. Leave the house to tell of its builder's fate. Land after land shalt thou seek and find, but no other life on thy wish shall wait. Fret not thy soul in thy thoughts or might, all woe shall end, or sooner or late. Whoso is born in one land to die, there and only there shall gain his gate. Nor trust great things to another light. Soul hath only soul for confederate. My boat raft drifted with the stream, I pondering the issue of my affair. And the drifting ceased not till I came to the place where it disappeared beneath the mountain. I rode my conveyance into the place which was intensely dark, and the current carried the raft with it down the underground channel. The thin stream bore me on through a narrow tunnel, where the raft touched either side and my head rubbed against the roof, return therefrom being impossible. Then I blamed myself for having thus risked my life, and said, If this passage grow any straighter, the raft will hardly pass and I cannot turn back, so I shall inevitably perish miserably in this place. And I threw myself down upon my face on the raft, by reason of the narrowness of the channel, whilst the stream ceased not to carry me along, knowing not night from day, for the excess of the gloom which encompassed me about and my terror and concern for myself, lest I should perish. And in such condition my course continued down the channel, which now grew wide, and then straighter till, sore aweary by reason of the darkness by which could be felt, I fell asleep, as I lay prone on the raft, and I slept knowing not in the time were long or short. When I awoke at last, I found myself in the light of heaven, and opening my eyes, I saw myself in a broad stream, and the raft moored to an island in the midst of a number of Indians and Abyssinians. As soon as these blackamoors saw that I was awake, they came up to me and bespoke me in their speech. But I understood not what they said, and thought this was a dream and a vision which had betided me for stress of concern and chagrin. But I was delighted at my escape from the river. When they saw I understood them not and made them no answer, one of them came forward and said to me in Arabic, Peace be with thee, O my brother. Who art thou, and whence farest thou thither? How camest thou into the river, and what manner of land lies behind yonder mountains? For never we knew anyone make his way thence to us. Quoth I, And upon thee be peace, and the truth of Allah, and his blessing. Who are ye, what country is this? O my brother, answered he, We are husbandmen and tillers of the soil, who came out to water our fields and plantations, and, finding thee asleep on this raft, laid hold of it, and made it fast by us, 
against thou shouldst awake at thy leisure. So tell us how thou camest hither. I answered, For Allah's sake, O my lord, ere I speak, give me somewhat to eat, for I am starving, and after ask me what thou wilt. So he hastened to fetch me food, and I ate my fill, till I was refreshed, and my fear was calmed by a good bellyful, and my life returned to me. Then I rendered thanks to the Most High for mercies great and small, glad to be out of the river and rejoicing to be amongst them. And I told them all my adventures from first to last, especially my troubles in the narrow channel. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and sixty-second night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Sinbad the seaman continued, When I landed and found myself amongst the Indians and Abyssinians and had taken some rest, they consulted among themselves and said to one another, There is no help for it, but we carry him with us and present him to our king, that he may acquaint him with his adventures. So they took me, together with the raft boat and its landing of monies and merchandise, jewels, minerals, and golden gear, and brought me to their king, who was king of Sarandib, telling him what had happened. Whereupon he saluted me and bade me welcome. Then he questioned me of my condition and adventures through the man who had spoken Arabic, and I repeated to him my story from beginning to end, whereat he marveled exceedingly and gave me joy of my deliverance. After which I arose and fetched from the raft great store of precious ores and jewels and ambergris and line aloes and presented them to the king, who accepted them and entreated me with the utmost honor, appointing me a lodging in his own palace. So I consorted with the chief of the islanders, and they paid me the utmost respect, and I quitted not the royal palace. Now the island Serendib lieth under the equinoctial line, its night and day both numbering twelve house. It measureth eighty leagues long by a breadth of thirty, and its wideth is bounded by a lofty mountain and a deep valley. The mountain is conspicuous from a distance of three days, and it containeth many kinds of rubies and other minerals, and spice trees of all sorts. The surface is covered with emery wherewith gems are cut and fashioned. Diamonds are in its rivers and pearls are in its valleys. I ascended that mountain and solaced myself with a view of its marvels, which are indescribable, and afterwards I returned to the king. Thereupon all the travelers and merchants who came to the place questioned me of the affairs of my native land, and of the Caliph Harun, Allah Rashid, and his rule, and I told them of him, and of that wherefore he was renowned, and they praised him because of this. Whilst I in turn questioned them of the manners and customers of their own countries and got the knowledge I desired. One day the king himself asked me of the fashions and form of government of my country, and I acquainted him with the circumstance of the caliph's sway in the city of Baghdad and the justice of his rule. The king marveled at my account of his appointments and said, By Allah, the caliph's ordinances are indeed wise, and his fashions are praiseworthy guise. And thou hast made me love him, by what thou tellest me, wherefore I have a mind to make him a present, and send it by thee. Quoth I, Hearkening and obedience, O my lord, I will bear thy gift to him, and inform him that thou art his sincere lover and true friend. Then I abode with the king in great honor and regard, and consideration for a long while, till, one day, as I sat in his place, I heard news of a company of merchants that were fitting up the ship for Basora and said to myself, I cannot do better than voyage with these men. So I rose without stay or delay, and kissed the king's hand and acquainted him with my longing to set out with the merchants, for that I pined after my people and mine own land. Quoth he, Thou art thine own master, yet 
if it be thy will to abide with us on our head and eyes be it for thou gladdenest us with thy company by allah oh my lord answered i thou hast indeed overwhelmed me with thy favors and well doings but i weary for a sight of my friends and family and native country when he heard this he summoned the merchants in question and commended me to their care paying my freight and passage money then he bestowed on me great riches from his treasuries and charged me with a magnificent present for the caliph harun al rashid moreover he gave me a sealed letter saying carry this with thine own hand to the commander of the faithful and give him many salutations from us hearing and obedience i replied the missive was written on the skin of the cowie which is finer than lamb parchment and of yellow color with ink of ultramarine and the contents were as follows peace with the deed from the king of al-hind before whom are thousand elephants and upon whose palace granels are thousand jewels but after we send thee a trifling gift which be thou pleased to accept thou art to us a brother and a sincere friend and great is the love we bear for thee in heart favor us therefore with a reply the gift bestowed not thy dignity but be bag of thee o our brother graciously to accept it and peace with thee and the present was a cup of ruby a span high the inside of which was adorned with precious pearls and a bed covered with the skin of the serpent which swallows the elephant which skin hath spots each like a diner and whoso sitteth upon it never sickeneth and an hundred thousand miskals of indian lina loes and a slave girl like a shining moon then i took leave of him and of all my intimates and acquaintances in the island and embarked with the merchants aforesaid we sailed with a fair wind committing ourselves to the care of allah be he extolled and exalted and by his permissions arrived at bassora where i passed a few days and nights equipping myself and packing up my bales then i went on to baghdad city the house of peace where i sought an audience of the caliph and laid the king's presence before him he asked me whence they came and i said to him by allah o commander of the faithful i know not the name of the city nor the way thither he then asked me o sinbad is this true what the king writeth and i answered after kissing the ground o my lord i saw in his kingdom much more than he hath written in his letter for state processions a throne is set for him upon a huge elephant 11 cubits high and upon this he sitteth having his great lords and officers and guests standing in two ranks on his right hand and on his left at his head is a man handing in hand a golden javelin and behind him another with a great mace of gold whose head is an emerald a span long and as thick as a man's thumb and when he mounteth horse there mount with him a thousand horsemen clad in gold brocade and silk and as the king proceedeth a man proceedeth him crying this is the king of great dignity of high authority and he continued to repeat his praises in words i remember not saying at the end of his panegyric this is the king owning the crown who's like nor salman nor the mehraj ever possessed then he is silent and one behind him proclaimeth saying he will die again i say he will die and the other addeth extol the perfection of the living who dieth not moreover by reason of his justice and ordinance and intelligence there is no kazi in his city and all his legions distinguish between truth and falsehood quoth the caliph how great is this king his letter hath shown me this and as for the mightiness of his dominion 
Thou hast told us what thou hast eyewitnessed. By Allah, he hath been endowed with wisdom as with wide rule. Then I related to the commander of the faithful all that had befallen me in my last voyage, at which he wondered exceedingly and bade his historians record my story and store it up in his treasuries, for the edification of all who might see it. Then he conferred me on me exceeding great favors, and I repaired to my quarter and entered my home, where I warehoused all my goods and possessions. Presently my friends came to me, and I distributed presents among my family and gave alms and largesse, after which I yielded myself to joyance and enjoyment, mirth and merrymaking, and forgot all that I had suffered. Such then, O my brothers, is the history of what befell me in my sixth voyage, and tomorrow, inshallah, I will tell you the story of my seventh and last voyage, which is still more wondrous and marvelous than that of the first six. Saith he who telleth the tale, then he bade lay the table, and the company supped with him, after which he gave the porter an hundred dinars, as of wont. And they all went their ways, marveling beyond measure at that which they had heard. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the five hundred and sixty-third night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Sinbad the seaman had related the history of what befell him in his sixth voyage, and all the company had dispersed, Sinbad the landsman went home and slept as of wont. Next day he rose and prayed the dawn prayer, and repaired to his namesake's house, where, after the company was all assembled, the host began to relate the seventh voyage of Sinbad the Seaman. Sir Richard Burton's Timeless Classic, 2001 Arabian Nights, features Miguel Moran as Sinbad the Seaman, Frightened Passenger, Sean Chiplock, Sheikh Albar, Warren Blackie, Frightened Sailor, Bryce Myers, Islander, Richard Kingston, Coconut Gatherer, Anthony Avonlin, Pearl Diver, Sanjaya Ferry, Sixth Captain, Steve Atwell, Frightened Sailor, Rip Elliott, Poet, S. Longshaw, Abyssinian, Mark Rowland, King of Sarandim, Gangnam Patek, Processionaire, Jamil Haider, Harold, A.T. Gonzalez, Khalif Harun al-Rashid, Rice Myers, featuring the music of Carl Sanders, Kalima, Rapture of Empty Spaces, Dark Imperium, Possession of Leviathan, The Green Wounds of Yotar, Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, featuring sounds from freesound.org. Enter in and Arabian Adventures, courtesy of Audio Sparks. Copyright 2019, Desert Gems Audio, all rights reserved.